We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to the uncontested postgame podcast. Justin here with you tonight at OKC Tracker. Thanks for following along. Uh, I wish I could say it was a good one, but the honest truth is that it was anything but that. The Thunder lose to the LeBronless Lakers 138-128 in overtime. It's OKC's fifth loss in the last six games, and I'm sad right now. I don't know about you guys, but what this team's been putting out there lately is depressing a little bit. It's not what we hoped to see. It's what I feared we would see. We talked a lot about how early in the season, OKC's schedule was a little bit soft, and we wondered if their record was a little inflated, if it made them look a little better than they were. But deep down, I didn't want to believe that. But what we've seen from the Thunder in the last few games, not not real promising. Uh, This was a game where you hoped the Thunder would bounce back. They've had a couple bad losses lately, and you really kind of expected when you're playing the Lakers without LeBron, this is an opportunity to take advantage of a team that's kind of struggling as much as the Thunder are, and they really just didn't do that tonight. They didn't take advantage. We saw a lot of the same bad tendencies that we've seen during this kind of bad stretch from OKC, and it came back to bite them and handing them another loss. I'm going to do what I do a lot of times in these post-game podcasts where I kind of pick out five things that I notice throughout the game, and we'll go throughout those. Uh, It's not going to be fun, but let's go. Number one actually is kind of fun. The Thunder set a new franchise record for three-pointers in a game with 22. They shot 22 of 54, which is 40.7%. 
that number's a little lower than it actually should be based off what they decided to do in overtime. I'll get to that in a minute. Interestingly enough, the Lakers actually were one shy of a Thunder record for opponent threes made with 19. They shot 19 of 40, which is uh, 47.5%. So threes were going in all around. It started early. It happened all throughout the game. The Lakers are not a great three-point shooting team either. We know the Thunder are dead last in the league in three-point shooting. So to see these two teams kind of get caught in a shootout was bizarre. Not at all what you expected. After the first quarter on TNT, they interviewed Luke Walton, and he kind of said, you know, they're the worst three-point shooting team in the league. If they keep hitting threes on us, we're going to live with that. And, you know, they did for the most part until we got to overtime. Uh, In that overtime period, the Thunder shot 12 three-point attempts and only one two-point attempt. And it was just, it was the strangest offensive strategy I've ever seen from a team that can't shoot the ball. I don't know if they tricked themselves into thinking they were good three-point shooters because of how they played in the rest of the game, but what we saw in overtime is exactly what you would expect to see from a team that's dead last in the NBA in three-point shooting. They put up 12 three-point attempts and only made two of them, which is, you know, it's it's bad. It's a little worse than their average, but it's kind of what you'd expect. They were chucking, and this team loves to chuck, especially when they're down. It seems like whenever the Thunder feel like their back's against the wall, they just resort to chucking threes. And I don't, I don't know why, because it never seems to work out for them. It's not like they have an insanely high three-point percentage when they're down late in the game. If I had to guess, I'd say it probably goes down, and that's exactly what we saw tonight. They were shooting pretty well going into that overtime period, but they just got lazy. The first few looks were good, and they just kind of rimmed out. T-Ferg had a couple good looks. And those are understandable, but then the Thunder just kept going and belaboring the point and just heaving things, and it just got out of hand, and it's really what made the Lakers able to put this thing away. They were getting to the basket and finding easy looks, and it's just what the Thunder were not doing. Back on the positive note, though, uh, this also was another team record. It was the first time in team history that the Thunder have had three players with at least five made threes. You had PG, who was 5 of 12, Russ, who was also 5 of 12, and T-Ferg, who was 6 of 12. So pretty impressive shooting from those guys. Again, those numbers are a little bit lower than they were had overtime not taken place. Uh, those, Those guys' numbers were a little higher heading into overtime. Paul George was five of eight from three. T Ferg was five of seven and Russell Westbrook was five of 11. So if you take away kind of those heaves late in overtime, those guys shot the ball pretty well. Thing number two, Thunder came out to a hot start tonight. They came out on fire. They were up 16 to seven early. They did a lot of their damage on the defensive end. They forced five turnovers on the Lakers first 10 possessions, which really just kind of put a stranglehold on things. The lead ballooned all the way up to 17 with 256 left in the first quarter. Uh, after the first quarter, they, they led by 12, so they let the Lakers get into it a little bit at the end there. What's crazy, though, is the Lakers shot 61% in the first quarter. It was really just those turnovers that OKC was forcing that gave them the early lead. And I think when I was watching this first quarter tonight, you thought, okay, OKC is actually going to come out with energy. They're playing with fire. They understand this is a must-win game. And that first quarter looked like a team that understood that they've lost four or five. Unfortunately, uh, the defensive intensity that led to that early lead 
was nowhere to be found for most of the rest of the game, which leads me to my third thing, which is defensive apathy. This is something that kind of epitomizes the Thunder stretch recently where they've been losing lots of games. It's just not the same defensive identity that we saw early on in the season for the Thunder. They're not locking in as consistently as they have been on that end. They're getting lazy. They're switching on screens. They're going under screens. They're not being as aggressive on that end of the floor, which really makes their offensive flaws stand out. Tonight's a weird game because they actually played a pretty incredible offensive game. Like I mentioned, all the crazy three-point shooting numbers. But for most of the games in this stretch, OKC's offense has suffered because the defense isn't facilitating easy baskets for the offense. And that's something this team has built its identity on, getting those baskets in transition after turnovers, fast break points. All of those things make the Thunder offense look better than it really is with such a lack of shooting. But the Thunder didn't have that tonight, and they haven't had it for a lot of their recent games. Uh, Taylor shared this stat in our uncontested slack that the Thunder are giving up 135 points per game over the last five games. Now, obviously, a couple of those have gone to overtime, so it's a little bit inflated, but that's a crazy stat. Yes, pace is up in the NBA this year, but the Thunder were the number one defensive team in the NBA. So if they're giving up 135 points per game, it's clear that they're not playing at the level that they should be, and they're not playing at the level that they have been for the rest of this season. If the Thunder want to get out of this losing streak and out of this rut, they're going to have to get back to that defensive identity that really got them in this position in the first place. Now, I saw a lot of people on Twitter tonight calling out Billy Donovan for the lack of defense. And while I think some of that is fair, uh, Billy prides himself on defense as a coach. He's, He's the one who's kind of driven it as the team's identity. What I see when I watch these games is a lack of player effort. Billy can only preach defense so much and scheme so much. The players have to execute. And when the players execute his defensive schemes, it's beautiful. Uh, it's, it's It's an absolute masterpiece, and it's what allowed them to become the number one defensive team in the NBA. When they don't execute, when they don't communicate, and they're not locked in, we get games like we saw tonight, and we get games like we've seen five out of the last six games where it's just not up to par. Thing number four tonight is the bad bench. So I mentioned the OKC's hot start uh, after they came out and ballooned the lead up to 17 points with 256 left in the first quarter. The Lakers went on a 28 to 7 run, and that really started when the bench guys came in. To open that second quarter, OKC shot 2 of 12. The Lakers were 7 of 11, and that really turned the tide and honestly completely changed the game. The struggles of the bench unit lately have contributed as much to this kind of cold streak for the Thunder as the defense has. If you look at the plus minuses tonight, it tells a pretty striking story. You have most of the guys in the starting unit are positive, uh, but then you look at the bench, Nerlens Noel minus 20, Diallo minus 14, Schroeder minus 12, Pat minus 11, Nader minus 10. It's uh, it's it's a rough go for them tonight. The scoring Patterson had nine. He actually shot the ball as good as he shot it all season. He was three of four from three for nine points. He was about the only one who kind of did what the Thunder needed him to do. Shooter had nine points off pretty poor shooting, and he played a pretty pretty bad game. But he only played 17 minutes. He kind of got hurt in the end of the first uh, first half. 
got hit in the quad and went straight to the locker room. So I don't think he was 100%, but we haven't seen a great stretch from Schroeder lately. And you hope he can turn it around because he's such a crucial part of making that bench unit strong. And I think he's really kind of it's shown its ugly head in this stretch where the bench hasn't been strong, kind of exposing some of his flaws. Nader only had one point. Need more than that from Abdul Nader. If he's going to get those minutes, we need him to contribute. Nerlens Noel, he got uh, four points tonight off two of three shooting. It was clear he was maybe a step slow tonight. We'll give him, uh, you know, a break tonight because he, it was his first game back after the concussion. But, you know, we need Nerlens back. I think that's been pretty clear over the last few games, and tonight was no exception. You also have to wonder where Alex Abrinas is at. We've seen a little more of him lately. We've heard a little more updates. It seems like he's trending in the right direction, but the Thunder Bench unit need him to come back and they need him to contribute because right now there's just not enough guys. I think it's pretty obvious Diallo's hit that rookie wall. He's not showing the same spark that he did early in the year. He's frankly kind of a defensive liability, and he's not bringing enough on offense to warrant those minutes. So, okay, so he kind of either needs to figure out what they've got with him or find somebody else to take those minutes because right now Diallo's just not working. The last point tonight, number five, is lack of offensive identity. I hit on this when I talked about how the Thunder – a.k.a. the worst three-point shooting team in the NBA, took 12 three-point attempts in overtime and only one two-point attempt. I get it. You shot the ball well. You've hit a lot of threes. You, you kind of trick yourself into thinking you're going to continue to be good at threes. It makes me think of the movie The Big Short. I don't know if you guys saw that. It's a really good movie about the housing market collapse, which doesn't sound all that interesting, but they managed to make it seem interesting, at least to me, who doesn't really understand that kind of stuff. But there's a quote in there that talks about these guys basically bet against stocks continuing to perform well, and that's how they made all their money. And the gist of it was everybody thinks when things are going well that they're going to continue to go well. Well, what we did is we said if things are going well, we're going to bet on them that the law of averages are going to win out and they're going to start going poorly. And that's how they made all their money. And that kind of stuff is so true, and I think you see it with this Thunder team, and you saw it tonight. They were shooting out of this world from three-point range when we know they're not a good three-point shooting team. But what it did is it made them think like, oh, you know, we're just on it tonight. Maybe we are a good three-point shooting team now, which leads them to take that ridiculous shot selection in overtime when really what you see is in overtime, it brought their averages back down closer to where they should be at. It's the law of averages in play. What the Thunder would have been wiser to do is to understand, hey, we've shot the ball incredibly well from three tonight. We need to get back to doing what we're good at. We need to attack the paint. We need to get easy buckets. Feed Steven Adams. Heck, feed Paul George. Paul George tonight kind of disappeared late in the game, and I think this is a little bit of a problem with PG sometimes. Uh, Brett Dawson tweeted this in the fourth quarter. It wasn't the end of the fourth quarter, but it was close. He said, Russell Westbrook is one of eight from the floor in the fourth, and Paul George has not attempted a shot. And some of that, some of that goes on him not getting the ball enough, but also like, man, you're PG. Like, PG, you got to say something. You got to step up and say, hey, man, give me the ball. I mean, look, KD does that. Yeah, it makes, makes people like Draymond Green mad sometimes, but... When you're a great scorer and you're one of the only great scorers on a team like the Thunder, you've got to be assertive. You've got to get that ball. And when you know your team needs a bucket, you've got to get the ball and go get a bucket. you got to go to work. 
I have to give a little credit to Russell here. In the fourth quarter, he had a couple strong drives to the basket where he should have had layups, but he blew them both. What I like seeing there is that Russell was being assertive. He was trying to go get that easy bucket to take care of business in the way that he knows how. The problem is he just isn't taking care of business lately. He's not finishing in the way that he's finished the rest of his career. You know, when you saw him take off towards the basket, you start to picture like a monstrous Russell Westbrook dunk. But instead he goes up for a layup and it goes over the rim and rims out and doesn't doesn't fall for him and it's it's kind of sad to see it makes me wonder what's going on with Russ besides bad shooting which he's never been a great shooter but you can kind of excuse bad jump shooting but when Russ can't even attack the basket the, that's more concerning to me it, it concerns me in the athleticism department I think the Thunder, because they don't have great shooters, they're going to have to figure out what their offensive identity is. Because when the game slows down in the playoffs, they're not going to get as many transition buckets as they have during the regular season. They're going to have to grind it out a little bit in the half court. And that's really where they struggle. Who do they go to when they need an easy basket? In my mind, they need to feed Steven more. They need to let Paul be more assertive. Ferguson's come on as a scorer, but is that really a guy that you want to rely on deep in the playoffs to get you a bucket? I don't know where the Thunder look for offense, but that's something that they're going to have to figure out if they want to continue to win games moving forward. Enough about tonight. Let's look ahead. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of uh, easy games on the horizon, uh, but that doesn't seem to matter with this team. The next game, they've got a Saturday afternoon contest in Philadelphia. It's always a tough trip to Philly. Thunder and Sixers always seem to get a little heated, so that one should be fun. Definitely must-watch TV on Saturday afternoon. Then they have a strange Monday morning MLK Day game in New York against the Knicks. That one, I would say, like, hey, the Knicks are kind of trash. That should be a win, but, like, playing at 11 a.m. on a Monday morning feels like a trap. I would have... uh, I would not be surprised if the Thunder dropped that game. I certainly hope that's an easy win for OKC because they desperately need an easy win. And then they come back the next night for a tough back-to-back back in Oklahoma City against the Portland Trailblazers. I look at those three games and, you know, one and two would be great. Uh, (laughs) But it still doesn't put the Thunder in a good position schedule-wise, standing-wise. And then I think the next game after Portland is the Pelicans, so it doesn't really get much easier after that. All in all, the Thunder schedule's gotten harder, and they're going to have to buck up and start beating some good teams, or else they're going to continue to fall in the standings. Thanks for following along with me tonight on our Twitter, at the underscore uncontested. Give us a follow if you don't already. Follow me on Twitter at OKC Tracker. Make sure to like, subscribe, and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher. And now we're on Spotify if you hadn't heard the news. So really anywhere that you get your podcasts, we should be there. So be sure to subscribe. Be sure to hit us with a five-star review. We really appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time to listen to us. Maybe one day we'll uh, get to do another post-game podcast where the Thunder actually win. So let's hold on to that hope. Thanks for listening. Thunder up.
Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.